You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every day. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on YouTube. And also, if you don't watch it on YouTube, that's okay. You can check us out on all the podcasting platforms out there, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, or Stitcher. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and all the shows across the Locked On Podcast Network. And be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday answer weekly Friday mailbag questions. So get those questions into me now by either adding me at Julian Council, DMing me at Julian Council, or leaving me a comment on today's show or on a show on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week over on YouTube. Just put Friday mailbag in the comment, and I will go and answer your question on Friday. So the Carolina Panthers added their quarterback a couple weeks ago to this quarterback room. They had said throughout the offseason that they had to add competition to that room, that it would not just be Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker, that a third quarterback would be coming into Carolina to potentially compete for the starting job in 2022. That became Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral, drafted 94th overall after the Carolina Panthers traded up to get Matt Corral. We'll talk more about that, whether they gave too much as an NFL exec. Thinks maybe they did here in a couple minutes, but they trade up for Matt Corral as Panthers Watch Malik Willis go off the board and Desmond Ritter go off the board in the third round. And of course, Kenny Pickett go to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round. So the Carolina Panthers went into the draft hoping to find a long-term option at left tackle. They found that in Icky Aquano at sixth overall. And they hope to find a quarterback also. And they found that. And we'll see if he's a long-term answer here in Carolina or not. But they found a quarterback they could develop and call their own in Matt Corral. So we thought at that point in time that would probably shut the door on a quarterback. Right? Well, if you go back to Friday evening, a couple weeks ago, day two of the NFL draft and the Carolina Panthers were in heavy trade talks with the Cleveland Browns to bring in Baker Mayfield, the former number one overall pick, the guy who reportedly was mutually disinterested in coming to Carolina as the Panthers also weren't interested in bringing him here a couple months ago, but got to the point where it's like, hey, I'm not going to play here in Cleveland and there's only Seattle and they don't want to do it in Carolina. I got to be open to going there because the only opportunity and chance I have to play. Well, those trade talks obviously broke down. And after Scott Fitter, when speaking to the media, was asked if they were definitely out of the veteran quarterback market. He said, no, I would never put an absolute on anything because only a Sith speaks in absolutes. We came into this weekend with the intention of adding a quarterback, and that's what we did. I think we are really happy with the group that we have, and we are going to go with this group. Again, no, I would never put an absolute on anything, something I learned the hard way a couple months ago in regards to Cam Newton. Come Monday, Jacina Anderson, formerly of ESPN, now doing her own thing, covers the NFL. She reported in a tweet, my understanding is the door isn't 100% shut on the Panthers and talks regarding Baker Mayfield, but I certainly received the impression that Carolina isn't in any rush, nor are they pressed per league source. They will roll as is, if need be, per league source. Now, you have to wonder, okay, so... The Panthers brought in Matt Corral. You got Sam Darnold, who, if they played a game tomorrow, which they don't, he would be the starting quarterback. And you have P.J. Walker, 
what will his role be? Will he be on the roster come September in week one against whoever? We'll find out on Thursday night as the NFL finally releases the dates of the schedule. The schedule's already out, by the way. We know who the opponents will be. You just don't know when it's going to happen. What will P.J. Walker's role will be? Will Matt Corral be brought along slowly like the Panthers have insinuated and said that they will do? And they're aided by doing that because he was only a third-round pick. Maybe he slipped a little bit either way. Third-round expectations are a little bit different than six-round expectations, although a lot of Panther fans are already claiming that Matt Corral is a franchise and it's time to play him right away. Let's slow down a little bit there, folks. But she also went out there on Twitter and said, Josie Anderson, that is, that Matt Corral getting third-round money. Carolina can make this work, just like Seattle can. This is about perception and principle. Teams feel the Browns have to get rid of Baker. Not soon they, not soon they don't. Deshaun's making $1 million this season and still waiting to hear his status. And I saw a report on Monday that Deshaun, Deshaun Watson might not even have any of this stuff figured out until next April. So Cleveland, trying to protect his money by only having him make a $1 million this upcoming season, might not be able to do that. And there's still a lot of questions surrounding their quarterback who has 22 ongoing civil suits where he is accused of sexual misconduct and assault when receiving massages. But it's not Carolina's problem. But Baker Mayfield, though, I honestly don't know what the Browns are doing. They brought in Jacoby Brissett. They brought in Josh Dobbs, two guys to be the backups and potentially the starter. That would be Jacoby Brissett, who has started in New England, and he started for a full season when Andrew Luck randomly and shockingly retired ahead of the 2019 season. Wasn't good enough. Indianapolis moved on, but still, he has starter experience, and I think the Browns might feel comfortable enough with that run game and the support he has on an offensive line in Jacoby Brissett for a season. So Baker Mayfield's not going to be the starting quarterback. I just don't see how, even if Deshaun gets suspended this season, how they could continue that relationship with Baker going into the 2022 season. Like, I don't know what they're doing. And to me, it was just mind-blowing that when having the conversation with the Panthers that they would not pay the requisite amount to get rid of this headache. It's only going to be a bigger problem as you move forward. I know Baker is not currently there in Cleveland. He's still rehabilitating from the labrum shoulder uh, surgery that he had on his non-throwing left shoulder this past offseason. So he has that. It's not like he can really participate and do much anyways. But still, he's not around the team. And the team clearly doesn't want him there. So why did they not trade him a couple weeks ago? Now, from the Carolina perspective, and I was brought there by Justina Anderson, like a lot of you listening to this are thinking, well, okay, well, if Baker comes here, what does that mean for Matt Corral and his development? Well, the Panthers, as I said to you the other day about, hey, maybe Nick Foles, does it make sense? If the Panthers are truly committed on bringing Matt Corral along slowly and developing this rookie and maybe, let's say, having him ready to start week one of 2023, then he is not true competition this offseason for Sam Darnold. Ben McAdoo reportedly thinks that he can do something with Sam Darnold. I heard that from Ian, uh, not from Ian Rapport, from um, Albert Breer, who was talking to Rich Eisen on Monday. So there's some thought that they can do something. They've said multiple times that they believe that Sam's going to take a leap this year and that they need to do more to help him. They certainly have done more to help him as far as the offensive line and what's around him in his offense heading into 2022 and adding Ben McAdoo to this coaching staff who's a former head coach and has done a marvelous job working with Eli Manning back in the past and turn around that Giants offense, which led him to be the head coach after Tom Coughlin left. So I just don't see Corral just based off of their words. Now words, actions, actions are way more important than words. But right now, their intentions 
And they talk about patience. And that was a key word a couple weeks ago when David Tepper met with the media ahead of the NFL draft. Patience. They want to be patient. I think a lot of Panther fans should be patient. I'm not telling people not to be excited because absolutely what Matt Corral represents here in Carolina is hope. And if you listen to the podcast before, you know I've said the biggest mistake the Panthers made with the quarterback situation was not necessarily getting rid of Cam Newton. It was that they never really had a plan of bringing in a young quarterback to provide the franchise, an organization, someone and the fans, especially someone to wrap their arms around and believe could bring better days. Now that's what people see with Matt Corral. The way that people were talking about it might be a little too much, but still, hope is a good thing. It can also be very dangerous, but it's certainly if needed, and Panther fans are afforded to have hope now that Matt Corral is here. But I don't believe that this upcoming season, Matt Corral is going to add to the quarterback room in Carolina to the point where he's going to help this team win football games on the field. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think that he's a threat to Sam Darnold. He might be more of a threat to P.J. Walker as far as being the backup and P.J. not being here anymore. But I look at Sam Darnold as being the guy who's going to start week one. And if he stays healthy, which he's never done, he would be the starter all 17 games. I think he'll play a lot better this upcoming season than he played last year, where I didn't have a ton of expectations for him or the offensive line. So that being said, if Corral's not competition, we know P.J. Walker's not competition. Who is the competition on this roster for Sam Darnold? Who's going to push Sam Darnold in that quarterback room? It could be Corral. Certainly it could. I just don't see that being a reality right now as he's trying to learn the offense and learn an NFL system and adapt to the speed of this league. Darnold has plenty of experience. P.J. has experience. Corral just the circumstance of being a rookie has no experience. And again, with time, he will get the opportunity to gain that experience. But right now, I just don't see him as being a legitimate competition. So that being said, it makes sense to me why the door would not be 100% shut on Baker or Jimmy Garoppolo who still sits there in San Francisco with the 49ers where they're going to get a good look at Trey Lance through the rest of this offseason period with OTAs and minicamp to see whether Jimmy, who won't be ready until – end of June to throw again, if that's still their best option to try and win a Lombardi trophy heading in 2022. So Carolina's not going to shut the door on either one of these guys right now. They're going to get, a, like San Francisco with Lance, they're going to get a good look this weekend with rookie, man, with rookie minicamp to look at Matt Corral. And then with OTAs, mandatory minicamp in June, they're going to get a really good look at Sam Darnold and how he's adapting this offense and what steps he's taken to improve. And if they don't see enough from him, or PJ, or Matt Corral to make them believe that they are good at the quarterback position to the point where they can succeed and have success and be in the playoffs this upcoming season, then I would not be surprised if they kick the tires on Baker Mayfield and tell Cleveland's like, hey, stop screwing around. You don't have leverage. He doesn't want to be there. You don't want him. Pay this amount of the money, the $18.85 million, and let's get this deal done. Hopefully it doesn't mean giving up a valuable asset as they've already given up their third and sixth round picks in next year's draft. And Scott Fitter talked about trying to protect their draft capital and not being in a position like they were last this up this past draft where on draft night, they had to pick six and then not until 137, which eventually of course they traded up to get Matt Corral with new England. So we'll see how it plays out, but the door according to Jacina Anderson, is not 100% shut on the Panthers and talks regarding Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield. Now, Matt Corral is here. Carolina traded up to go get him, hoping that maybe he could be the future here in Carolina or that they can at least develop him and see where things go. Did the Panthers potentially overpay for Corral? 
So a couple NFL execs had thoughts on that and the Carolina Panthers overall draft strategy. We'll get into that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, the Major League Baseball season fights, and evens next season's NFL futures odds. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. One of my favorite things that reporters are able to do is when they can find NFL executives or head coaches and players and get them to speak anonymously, unfiltered about how they think another team and the rest of the league is going, especially after times like two weeks ago at the NFL draft where Mike Sando of The Athletic had an article, uh, 2022 NFL draft execs unfiltered in all 32 classes. And of course, that includes yours and our Carolina Panthers and their thoughts on how the Carolina Panthers went about the draft. Of course, we know the Carolina Panthers went up and traded for Matt Corral, sending a fourth-round pick and a third-round pick next year to New England to get him at 94th overall. And exec said they tried to get a quarterback a few times, and at one point I heard they were interested in Sam Howell out of North Carolina, but then they made the big move for Corral, and it just felt like like a continuation of their entire offseason. And we go back, remember, the Carolina Panthers were all in on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes before money got in the way. David Tepper not wanting to guarantee Watson's salary, as we saw, Cleveland was a team that was out of it, but then was right back in it and got his services once they gave him that money fully guaranteed and didn't work with him to try and save some of his money just in case he does get suspended this upcoming season. And going out of the article, this is from now from Mike Sando. He said Carolina was one of six teams to select a quarterback in the first five rounds. The Panthers paid the second highest price to do so behind only Pittsburgh, despite selecting Corral 20 spots after Atlanta took Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati and eight spots after Tennessee took Malik Willis out of Liberty. That is because, that is because Carolina traded a 2023 third-round pick to jump 43 spots to select Corral at 94, using the Jimmy Johnson trade chart to value the 94th pick and an undiscounted 2023 choice in the middle of the third round. Carolina spent the equivalent of the 58th pick for Corral, far more than Atlanta spent for Ritter or Tennessee spent for Willis earlier in the draft. And the Panthers struggle in 2022. The third round pick they sent to New England in trading up for Corral will become even more valuable, further increasing the price paid for Corral during one of the least appealing drafts for quarterbacks. So just with that, and I'll say this about the, the Jimmy Johnson trade chart is like from the 80s. So it is an outdated resource that teams might still use. We have analytics now and certainly far more better ways to evaluate whether it's a good or a bad trade. So when going off of that, yes, it feels like maybe Carolina might have overpaid, especially when you look at comparing it to what Tennessee, what Atlanta did taking Ritter and what Tennessee did taking Malik Willis. At the end of the day, though, and I've said this before, I understand draft value and how that's important, but if you find that player and you like that player and that player develops into the franchise, especially at the most important position in football, like quarterback, then it does not really matter what you did to go get him. Now, it would matter if he flops or he never plays, and it's kind of like, why did you do that? We know that case in Carolina, like with Will Greer. We've seen it happen in the past where it's like, okay, why do we do this? Why do we make these decisions? 
I don't think Scott Fitter is one of those guys who made a poor decision. Now, going back to the anonymous exec, what he had to say here following that was the owner in Carolina has put so much pressure on them to find a quarterback, find the quarterback. They could have felt pressure to just throw the dart. It reminds me a little bit when the Raiders were set on drafting Matt Barkley with the 100th pick in 2013. The owner loved Barkley, but Philly traded up and took him at 98. The Raiders traded down to 112, and in a panic move to placate the owner, they took a quarterback, Tyler Wilson, out of Arkansas, who they cut before the season, and Corral is better than that, so hopefully things work out. Yeah, hopefully certainly things work out for Matt Corral. And as we know, like with the Raiders, like they want to get a quarterback, Matt Barkley. Never turned into a starting quarterback, has been a career backup and was here briefly last season for the Carolina Panthers. So that was a bad decision. Yes, we know that David Tepper has been all in on wanting to find that franchise quarterback, but he also, ahead of the draft, as I mentioned earlier and as I mentioned before, talked about patience and that he has learned just how stupid he is when looking at football. And it's not, I'm not saying he's a, he's obviously a very bright man. He would not be in his position owning a team if he wasn't. Now football's not his expertise, no matter how much time he spent watching it growing up and spent in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization as a minority owner. He needs to let the people that he hires, namely Scott Fitterer, do their job. And I think he's allowed Scott, as we've seen his past offseason, kind of take the reins of the organization and have more of the say than the head coach, Matt Rule, who over the last two offseasons in 2020, pandemic season, so still in 2021, made a lot of bad decisions. Scott, now a full year in it, has his own scouts. They're finishing up the scouting department side of things after the draft that they planned on doing. You feel good about the direction your organization is headed in. And if you were being honest with ourselves, the drafting of Matt Corral, you know, they could have sat. I don't know if they get Matt Corral at 137 or not. I don't know if they get about 137 or not. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. But a guy that the exec mentioned and Sam Howell didn't go into the fifth round. So they could have gotten a quarterback if they wanted a quarterback. They could have gotten one. Now, if they liked Matt, and I don't know where they had him ranked. I don't know if they had him above Kenny Pickett or Willis. I I, I don't know. I was, I was saying lead up to the draft. It felt like to me after that week of watching those two and Matt Corral uh, at their pro days, that it was probably Willis, maybe Pickett, then Corral. Maybe it was Corral above them. I don't know how it factored. They're not going to let us know either. Maybe one day we'll find out, but currently that is not the case. I don't know where they where they looked and stacked those guys up. But most of the NFL evaluators looked at, and I get Chris Sims from Pro Football Focus or Pro, Pro Football Talk of NBC as Corral's top quarterback. There's a lot of guys who had Willis and Pickett and then Ritter Corral. So I don't know where he stacked up. But they potentially, not potentially, they obviously could have got a quarterback in Howell right there in the fourth round had they not traded up. So that's one of the ways to kind of look at things. Now, if they like Matt Corral more than Kenny Pickett, or sorry, Sam Howell out of North Carolina didn't think that crowd would be there, then I totally understand why they would do that. But still, we're being honest with ourselves. Part of this getting corral and a lot of the conversation and the fodder this pat this offseason about get bringing in a quarterback. Scott Fitter talked about how we're gonna add to the position. We got to add to that position, but he also we're not gonna force that decision. Like it, a little bit, it kind of feels forced in a way. And I get it, I'm not upset that they did it. As I told you, like, I think it's a good thing. Just do it the old-fashioned way, the organic way. They just draft a quarterback, and I said after Deshaun Watson, like, at this point, if they're going to add a quarterback to this room, they need to just do it through the draft. If they want to take someone at six, take someone at six. If they want to take someone later on, take someone later on. Like, that's the way they should do it, and that's the way that they did it. I'm still fine if they want to bring in a veteran and they think that's what the best way to compete and win, especially push Sam Donald is this upcoming offseason. But still, they needed to bring in their own guy via the draft in the traditional way. And they've done that with Matt Corral. 
but it still in a way kind of feels forced because I was also on board with just like, hey, bleep it. You brought in Sam Darnold. If Matt rules on the hot seat or whatever, that was his decision. And part of it was also Scott Fitter's decision and also the owner's decision who spoke to the media and said that, hey, I signed I, when it's a big thing like that, I have to sign off on it. They signed off on it. Now, Tepper might have just been listening to the guys and then telling them, like, hey, this is a good decision. As an owner, I wouldn't have done that, but I also, as an owner, try to think to myself that I let my people do their jobs. Unless they bring up something stupid like trading a second, fourth, and sixth round pick for Sam Darnold. Either way, they didn't really have to add somebody. They had to add somebody in a way just for Panther fans to have hope and excitement for the season, which is now there. I don't know what the percentage of Panther fans who believe that Matt Corral will actually start week one and have a significant role um, on this team in 2022 is. I'm not sure what it is. But his presence has the vibes a lot better than they were a couple weeks ago when we were having a continuous conversation of what to do at quarterback. But just in a way, it does kind of feel just a little bit forced, but they had to do something, especially after the Baker Mayfield deal fell through. So was it in a continuation of the entire offseason? I don't know about that, but everyone knows in the league that it was the worst kept secret the Carolina Panthers were looking to upgrade at the position. Now, did they upgrade? Hard to say, especially when they seem to be on board with Sam Darnold starting here week one in 2022. But that will be determined throughout the next couple of weeks and months here in Charlotte. And once we get down to training camp in Spartanburg, South Carolina, on the campus of Wofford College. Someone who's been to Wofford College before, played there collegiately as a road visitor, but also spent a lot of time there, four years to be exact, as an NFL player. It was one James Bradbury, who now is on the market as a free agent following his release from the New York Giants on Monday. So the Carolina Panthers bring back an old friend. We'll talk about that and more coming up here on Locked on Panthers. This episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers and makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers that have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. I'm talking about your smartphone, folks. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can eat from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So we sent you amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Let's go back a couple years ago when Josh Norman here in Carolina wanted a big-time contract, one of you paid one of the highest-paid corners in the NFL. But Dave Gettleman, then-general manager of the Carolina Panthers, was always about the hog volleys and feeling like the defensive line had more of a role in the defensive success than guys on the outside in the secondary like Josh Norman. So what that led to was him rescinding the franchise tag, from Norman and Norman going and signing a five-year, $75 million deal with the then Washington Redskins. Later on in the draft, he took James Bradbury in the second round out of Sanford, who turned into a damn good player here in Carolina. And the funny thing is, after four seasons in Carolina, a coaching change, Matt Rule coming in, Marty Herney still being here, James Bradbury went to free agency and signed with 
Dave Gettleman, who signed him for a $14 million per year deal in New York with the Giants. And considering that Dave Gettleman wouldn't pay that money for, for Josh Norman, he did decide to pay it for James Bradbury at that point in his career who had never been a pro bowler. And some Panther fans weren't excited and happy about them losing their top cornerback who did a fantastic job against Michael Thomas, against Julio Jones, and against Mike Evans in the NFC South during his tenure here in Carolina. He spent the last two years in New York, had seven interceptions total over the cross two years with the Giants. He only had eight in his first four years in Carolina. One of the biggest criticism Panther fans always had was that he didn't make a lot of game-changing type of plays, especially when you saw Dante Jackson first come to the league and just the ball would seem to find him all the time as he was able to get a lot of interceptions there in his rookie year. And we've seen that continue over the last three years of his time here in Carolina. Well, James Bradbury is now a free agent as new general manager, Joe Shane, formerly here in Carolina, was the assistant GM last year in Buffalo under Brandon Bean. Of course, who started off here in Carolina. He's now in New York with Brian Dable, the pair coming over from the Buffalo Bills. And he decided the $21 million cap hit that James Bradbury was due was just not feasible. For the Giants heading into this upcoming season, they saved $9 million while also taking an $11 million dead cap hit. And I'm kind of surprised that New York would do that. You have a good player. He's been a pro bowler. No troubles off the field. Very low maintenance. Strong leader. Kind of lead by example kind of dude. And they don't want him for a team that is not very good. And in a league where you need really good corners. But hey. What do I know? Joe Shane, they got to figure it out. They need to save money. What they're going to use it for? I don't know, but they still waste the cap space by getting rid of them. But I guess they open up way more by letting him go. So with that said, the Carolina Panthers, they could use a veteran, but possibly here this upcoming season. J.C. Horn expected to start as the number one corner coming off that broken foot that cost him the final 14 games of last season, his rookie season. You got Dante Jackson back here once again, likely to start. C.J. Henderson's back. Miles Hartfield's back, likely going to be a starter, or at least competing with Henderson there at the nickelback position. They, they drafted uh, Keith Taylor out of Washington a year ago. He's shown signs, especially late in the season, that he could be someone who could add to this team. They also took Kalen Barnes in the seventh round out of Baylor. Will it, whether he makes the team or not, we will see. Of course, uh, Chris Westry. A fourth-year player at the University of Kentucky. He's 6'4". He's now on the roster. Stan Thomas Oliver, seventh-round pick in 2020 at a Florida International, an International Atlantic, one of them. He is still here in Carolina, but more of a special teams guy. So there's a lot of dudes on a depth chart here in Carolina, but not a ton of, I would say, quality, high-level depth here. You go back to last season with Bouye uh, to start off the year, and, of course, he had – the, the suspension, he was also a little banged up there in training camp. Missed first two games. We had him coming back. And then you had Horned and who went down. But then you had C.J. Henderson. You had Dante at a point in time. You had Stephon Gilmore. There's a lot of veterans who had been pro bowlers, who had been all pros, defensive players of the year. Now you look at it. You have Dante who's a lot of experience. But then you also don't have a ton out of that with J.C. Horn, who got injured last year. And there's still a kind of a wait-and-see approach. I have a, a lot of expectations for J.C. And I think he's going to be great for this team moving forward. I think he'll be a, a hallmark player for the Carolina Panthers. I believe in him. We just got to see it. Like, we can believe in him all we want. Like, people believe in Matt Corral. You can believe in Matt Corral all you want. We just got to see it first to really know that it's real. Because the hype is the hype. Like, it, it's got to come to fruition for it to really matter at the end of the day. And so, I, I like J.C. Horn. 
Love the player, love the athlete, love the competitor. He fits the brand that Matt Rule has here and all that kind of crap. He's He can be a good player here in the future, but still he's played two and a half games. And he looked really good in those games, but he still has played two and a half games. And it's not like New York didn't have really great receivers like Corey Davis, whatever. Michael Thomas didn't play. And in Houston, again, no good receiver. So it's not like he got really all that tested in those two and a half games that he played last season. Could they be aided by adding Trains Bradbury? Maybe. It really depends on the uh, the market, though. I've seen the Ravens will be interested in him, and that would make a lot of sense for James Bradbury if he's trying to go to a contender because throughout his career, he's not really contended for anything. Didn't win a lot here in Carolina. Obviously, didn't win in New York the last two years. Kansas City is a team that should be interested, I've seen. Houston, they took Derek Stingler Jr. at LSU third overall, so maybe they're not going to be all that interested. I've seen them. I've seen the Eagles, a division rival there, uh, being interested. Uh, in him, and that's a team that, as we saw with the trade for A.J. Brown, they're all in and trying to win that division this upcoming season. So I don't know if Carolina would be his priority. And i also say this. I don't know if the Carolina Panthers would necessarily want to go back down that road because here's the thing. Even if um, Marty Herney was the general manager when Matt Rule took over uh, two years ago back in 2020, or, yeah, back in 2020, it – wasn't like he had the full roster control. Like that was in the contract of Matt Rule. And I think it was probably way more of a rule decision to move off of Bradbury than it was necessarily a decision by Marty Herney, the then general manager for the organization to move off of Bradbury. Like Bradbury wanted to get paid. He wanted to go somewhere else and he decided to go to New York. Now he got his money. He can get another good contract probably next offseason. Not he's not gonna get anything great, I would think, here this coming weeks if he gets re-signed uh, shortly. So I don't know if Matt Rule and the Panthers necessarily are interested. Now, Scott Fitter seems to be the guy who's in charge now. So I wouldn't, I necessarily wouldn't count on it, but it's certainly something worth taking a look at. And Scott Fitter did say he would be in on every deal. All right, it's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on YouTube. If you don't watch the show or subscribe on YouTube, that's okay. Although, kind of shame on you. You can still check it out on all the podcasting platforms out there, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Odyssey. Check those out. You can rate, review, and subscribe on any of those platforms. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council. Where every single Friday, answer your weekly Friday mailbag question. So either at me, DM me, or leave a comment on today's show, Monday's show, Wednesday's, or Thursday's show. And I'll get to the questions on Fridays, make sure to put Friday mailbag in a comment and your real name, especially if you're going to be commenting over on YouTube. In the meantime, stay safe, keep pounding, and I'll talk to y'all on Wednesday.